I'm Jordan Hagedorn. And I'm John Kim. And this is Sneaker Salaries, a deep dive look at sneaker news and sneaker culture with insights from those that live the passion and the lifestyle of sneakers. All right, welcome back to Sneaker Salaries. Today, we're talking with one of my favorite sneaker consignment shops called Image New York. They're based out in Queens, New York. And we're joined by the three founders, Perry Shum, Xu Cheng, and Greg Lam. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. us. So, Perry, we connected in my time in New York and uh, got to come in and see the shop and and see all the chaos that you guys have and some amazing sneakers and really a massive undertaking. So, Perry, specifically, can you walk us through kind of what it was like to form this and how you three came together? Um, So, we started back in 2011. We opened our store, but we started the company around 2007, 2008. We all shared a passion of sneakers in high school, and then we saw... From Flight Club, other like there wasn't a lot of options for consignment stores back in the day, so I pitched the idea to these two like, oh, let's open our own store. Um, we were fresh out of college, um, we didn't know what we we're doing with our lives, so we're like, let's give it a shot. So when that started, you guys decided to just explore the idea. At what point did you guys get serious about it? Uh, it was more 2010, 2011. We started out selling like sneaker accessories and like little stuff here and there. And then we moved on to people needed help selling their sneakers. You know, back in the day, there wasn't all the outlets you have today. It was just like forums, eBay and, you know, Nike talk. So we helped friends sell, sell their sneakers. And then we just grew from there, from our own collection and we saw a demand. So then, Greg, you guys all kind of put your heads together. What was that conversation like? Um, I mean, it was all, always about demographics. Uh, we felt like there was nothing available like a uh, consignment shop in Queens. And we felt like uh, there was a lot of sneakerheads in Long Island. So we feel like, oh, in order for the kids and people in Long Island to travel to the city, they got to step in Queens first and Flushing. So we felt like that was a great uh, moment. So we were like, um, there is none around this area. I feel like it's a good shot to start off, you know, and we started out inside a mall. It wasn't just straight brick and mortar. It was never like that. We started off in a small 240 square foot place. And we essentially outgrew that within three years and we had to move. And that's where we are today. Nice. So Shu, what was that from like your perspective? These guys come to you guys, started in the mall, you decide to move. It's evolving. What's going through your head? I mean, listen, a lot of things going through my head. Um, but I love challenges. So anything thrown at me, I love to take it to the next level. So any, any business, you want to take it to the next level. So we're always growing and growing. So that's a challenge to me. And I love challenges. I mean, it, anything you do in life, there's always obstacles and hardship through the way. But hey, listen, work through it, fight through it, work hard. And you'll succeed. You know, your outcome will, will definitely be what you expected. For sure. So before we get into some more of the history, we'll talk about kind of what goes into it. Perry, can you kind of just walk people through the audience listening if they've never consigned a shoe before? What it even means to have a consignment shop and, and how that whole process works? So essentially, the process is um, a lot of people, they don't want to go through the hassle of, you know, selling an item themselves. They don't know where to sell it, you know, where to market it. Um and where to even start. So essentially, we take in your item, your sneakers. We clean them up if they're used. Uh, we work out with you with a, uh, a good market price where, you know, we're both happy. For new items, we take 
um, the split, so it'll be 85-15. So once the item sells, the, the seller gets 85% and we take 15% of the sale. Uh, we handle everything. We'll list the item up. We'll ship it. Or all, all you have to do is drop all the shoes and pick up your check when when the item sells. So that whole process has like expanded greatly over the years. I mean, it first started off as brick and mortar. Now it's a lot of it is online with all these other platforms. But let's take it back to the the time when you guys opened up that store in the mall. I visited there a few times. I think uh, almost like ten years ago or so. Um, what sort of decisions did you guys make in terms of what needs to be in the walls of your shoe store? Unfortunately, nowadays, sneakerheads, as you call it, want whatever is in, you know. So we always have to keep that in stock, whether it's Yeezys, the new Jordans, or the latest runners. Anything hype, for example, dunks. We always have to keep it in stock nowadays because everybody wants them. But me personally, I love to have stuff that is old, vintage, you can't find them in a regular shop. So if you come in here, you'll find stuff from the early 2000s. Might even be from the 90s. But unfortunately, people don't come in and buy those stuff anymore. But we always have to keep it. We want to keep it nostalgic. And when you come in here, hey, listen, this shop knows their shit. So that's what we like to keep in stop. Back in when we started, a majority of it was our own collection. Uh, we started out with a lot of Jordans, Nike SBs. We had like a lot of the Tier Zero collaborations. It was just something a lot of people couldn't obtain um, locally. It's stuff people, they would have to shop either on eBay or forums that they couldn't find. So we gave people the option locally with like more limited shoes. We essentially had no, no customer base at that point. No one knew who we were in order to start a consignment shop you need our own collection on the wall first and then people walk by is like oh what's this you know i have this shoe at home or um i think i want to sell mine and then word of mouth spread quick because at that time there was no social media um facebook instagram didn't exist back then it was just straight you know word of mouth like oh hey i saw a shop at the mall they had some shoes i might drop them off and that's just word of mouth right from there and then we just started building um essentially a collection for the store itself so there's a lot of like authenticity that's involved in creating these stores, especially back then when there was no social media, where now in the age of Instagram and whatnot, you know, marketing yourself is, you know, quite easily. It's quite formulaic. But back then, it's really about authenticity. And I, one thing I noticed is that with a lot of, uh, you know, entrepreneurs who started consignment shops, whether they be online or, you know, their own in store, like they have to give up their own collection because you do have to line the wall. So. Was there ever a shoe that you just didn't want to sell, but you know that you had to like give it up because you know you have to build up a reputation as a place? Shoe, we'll start with you. What was like that one shoe that you just felt like you didn't want to let go, but you had to for the sake of the store? Oh, listen, there's a lot, plenty. Oh Lord, if I reminisce about that, uh, I'll, I'll have sleepless nights. Uh, the most memorable one is probably the a pair of pigeon dunks, and we had to get rid of that and. Listen, we sold it for a good price, kept the light on, and that's what you have to do. You know, sometimes monetary things outweighs the other. So that's that's one of the shoes that, you know, I would wish I could get back again. <laughs> I had a pair of Paris Dunks that I picked off, off of eBay for 700 bucks. I think the guy got it out of flea market sale. And once that dunk listing was on eBay, I messaged him right away. I was like, yo, I got 700 for this right now. Ended up selling at the store for 4500 which I think is a complete steal nowadays. You know, you're not going to find anything remotely close to something like that, of that level, at least. That I'm still regretting to this day. For me, I had my stash collection. 
I had a bunch of shoes from Stash that um, I got it back after, but like for the beginning of it, you know, I sold, you know, I, I listed it up just just to have some stuff like other people don't have. That collection was one of my favorites. So Greg, can you talk more about kind of building that clientele? You guys, seems like you might regret having got rid of that stuff, but if you didn't get rid of that stuff, you might not have built that clientele and maybe been known for some of those sales. So as you guys have built this up, you have all walks of life. I'm sure pro athletes, all kinds of people hitting you guys up, just talking about buying some of the highest end sneakers. Can you talk about that process of building that clientele? First of all, I feel like that clientele is, is just going to essentially come because everyone likes sneakers. We're at a day of culture where, you know, this, you start with the fit with the shoes first before anything else. I got People come in and start asking like, oh, do you have any shoes that matches this piece of clothing? And they'll bring it in and try to match the walls with certain colorways and stuff like that. As far as uh, building the clientele, um, they're always going to come, you know, where... We're kind of in the cut in Queens. So as far as like celebrity athletes, we do get a couple of athletes, pro athletes and celebrities I pull up, but most of them are in the city. I don't feel like they would make the trip out here um, just because we're, you know, 30, 40 minute drive from the city, give or take. Um, but that's just all natural growth, I feel like, as far as um, clientele and stuff. It's all natural word of mouth kind of. Yeah. What is the one thing that you feel like has helped your business grow in terms of gaining that word of mouth? Because yes, everyone loves sneakers. There is a destination that's needed, but there's something about you guys that needed to stand out because, you know, at the end of the day, some of the big players, you know, such as Flight Club at the time, you know, they're just a quick trip out to the city. So what what are some of the things that you guys had to practice even better than your competitors in order to kind of stay afloat and then to grow your business? Absolutely. The number one thing about us is the pricing. You know, when you live in New York City or you come visit New York City, everything is expensive. But when you come to our shop, the price is very competitive. You know, you can get a price of this shoe compared to another shop for a good quarter of a fraction. So I think that's one of our advantages, you know. So if you want to save some money, definitely come in. And, and we're very, you come in, you ask us a question. We're very friendly. We're sociable, you know easy to talk to any question you come and ask us we'll, we'll help you out with it and to add to that i feel like we have not to brag or anything i think our pre-owned selection is pretty much of our main one of our main like you know reasons to come and shop with us is because a lot of the stuff that people want it's they rather pay a little bit cheaper to get a pre-owned pair rather than buying top dollar for a dead stock pair because it's already lightly worn they can just pay a little cheaper and just rock it and keep it moving you know so i would say our pre-owned stuff is one of the reasons why people come make troop it out to queens you know just to check it out every time you come in it's like a new new collection on the wall because we add stuff to our shelves every day you know I love it. I'm I'm a huge fan of used sneakers. Mm -hmm. You look at I got a pair of Royal Ones that, you know, I do have a dead stock pair, but then I bought a pair probably used twice. And people don't think about it, but if you want a dead stock pair, you're talking several hundred dollars. If you're talking a used pair, you can get them for just a little bit over retail or even retail sometimes. And you're talking if you're gonna wear it, it's only been worn a couple of times, then you know, what's the downside, right? So I, I like that about you guys. I mean, it's something where you guys have carved a niche with that and, and so that's pretty awesome. Yeah, like finding um dead stock sneakers is yeah, a lot of stores carry dead stock. Also, you, it's easy to find, but you're paying premium dollar. Like our shoes, we clean them up, you know, disinfect everything. And it's lightly worn. You save a good amount of money. And some people, like you said, they like to stock one. And like if you find a used pair, you you wear the used one. I, I do the same. I have a bunch of like dead stock shoes. Like I don't want to wear it. I want to keep, you know, brand new. If, and then if a used pair comes along, 
you know, I'll, I'll drop the money for the used pair. And in the beginning, when we first started doing pre-owned, people would come in and be like, use sneakers and they will walk right out. They don't want to deal with that. They didn't understand that, you know, this is a whole market where it's dedicated to pre-owned. No one wanted to buy used sneakers, but at the end of the day, it's you're saving some money. And that was the niche market that we, you know, we tackled and has worked out so far. I mean, I think just to kind of continue the conversation on used sneakers, especially in consignment shops, like we understand why some shops don't do it. It's just easier to deal with, you know, inventory when you don't have used shoes. But that's the beauty in used shoes. There's a lot of curation and attention that's required to have a really good used sneaker rotation. And to your point, when you walk into your store, it's the new selection on the wall. Because the truth is, ones, threes, elevens, whatever, every store is going to have those. But when it comes to the used collection, it could be very much different, you know, all the time, right? And I think I've shopped at your place many times. I think I almost bought almost all used shoes anyway. So, you know, I think pre-owned is kind of where sneaker reselling started on eBay. Most people sold their used shoes on eBay. And now it's kind of become like this forgotten thing, which is kind of sad. But uh, my next question is... Um, a few years ago when Image uh, reopened in the bigger location and then, you know, it kind of made that area into like a, a destination of sorts, you know, in, the, in that area in Flushing where a lot of people just coming through just to shop. And then a couple of years back, a sneaker retail store actually opened up next door. You know, obviously there's that, you know, potential competition. You know, are they going to pull away some of your uh, customers? But, you know, it's, it's a different ballgame because they're a sneaker retail and you guys are in consignment. So, um, I'm just kind of curious, like, what were your first general thoughts when you learned that a sneaker store was opening literally like right next doors? And was that something that you guys had to maybe adjust the way you did business? Or was it just something that you guys weren't really worried about? Uh, Greg, let's start with you. What was your first thought? Uh, when alumni moved in next door, I actually think it was a good idea. I feel like that we can both like help each other or accommodate each other to bring more foot traffic in onto the block. Not only are we a destination spot, I feel like we help each other out. If they're looking for a specific shoe on a, on a release date, they actually do shoes on release date. They'll come right next door, vice versa. If they come to Image, they'll check out next door. So I honestly was really happy that they opened up next to us. It's, you know, it could potentially bring other brands onto into the neighborhood or same block, you know? So it, it, it couldn't have hurt us, I, fe- I felt like, because it's two different clientels. One of them, they want clothing, they want like regular stuff, and then... If they want some exclusive stuff, some pre-owned stuff, they'll come to us. You know, if you're but if you're a kid and you, if you have like let's say two hundred bucks, because let's say like like some Nike shoes retail for like hundred seventy dollars, so we'll just say ballpark, you need two hundred dollars to buy a pair of shoes. Like, would you rather buy like a pair of like GR stuff that's just on the wall, or would you rather walk into a consignment shop and get like you know some hot shit that dropped like a couple of years back that you just couldn't get? You know, so I thought I personally thought that it was just like a it was beneficial for you guys more than it was for them, in my honest opinion. And I didn't really see it as like a sustainable kind of thing, but you know, whatever, but, but shoot, like, you know, it's been a few years since they opened. Have you seen like the benefits of higher foot traffic from then? Have you felt any uh, effects of maybe, you know, losing some dollars potentially? Cause you know, someone came to your store to spend money, but they ended up spending it there. Absolutely not. Um, if anything, like Greg said, it brought more attention to us because they have, a presence of their own already. They have a few shops in Brooklyn. So those people, hey, wow, there's a sneaker store right next door too. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Let me go check them out too, you know? So it, it, it's beneficial to both both parties so far, which is great. Um, they sell, like Greg said, more clothing than the footwear, which helps out because they'll come in, hey, let me buy a pair of shoes here. Oh, they might have a hoodie next door. Let me go grab that too. So honestly, it helped, helped us out uh, very well, you know? So... 
I mean, we've been great neighbors so far. I think they've been open for like two years so far. So it, it's been good. It's been a great uh, journey with them. So Perry, you know, part of what you guys just talked about was this element of discovery, people going to alumni and then finding you guys. Pretty cool that you can get a shoe on release day and probably just walk it over and consign it to you guys, right? Mm-hmm. And pick up a few bucks. So when people have brought shoes in, Perry, can you specifically speak to maybe a time that somebody brought in some shoes and you guys' jaws were just on the ground? It was crazy. Back in our first store, there was an older older gentleman. He w- he collected like memorabilia from like Penny Hardaway and you know, he had jerseys, PEs from Penny. And I think you guys actually wrote an article about them. It was the Penny Nines. It was the PE Penny Nines. Jordan Nines. And when it first came in, we're like, well, does this guy know what he has? And um, he said he picked it up on eBay. I forgot how much. No, no. He bought it from a memorabilia shop. A memorabilia. For like a thousand bucks with the whole jersey set. It it was something that really like shocked us because we haven't seen uh, a pair like that uh, coming from our first store. I think the shoes were... 92 i believe jordan 9 with the number one on the bag it was all black with some blue because i think jordan gifted it to penny at the time in 92 it could quite possibly be the first pe ever who knows you know for those people listening it was uh from 1994 before brand jordan was formed and Mm. michael jordan gave player exclusives to a bunch of guys with the jordan 9 because he was playing baseball at that time and so he needed guys that could rock that so you had um bj armstrong penny hardaway I want to say Allen Houston, just some guys back in the day before Jordan Brand was formed. So, uh, so that shoe came through. You said the guy spent a thousand bucks. Did you guys end up buying that from him? And what was that process like, or consigning it? I should say. And then what did it sell for? I think we uh, end up consigning at that moment for like three thousand dollars. And at that time, no one was spending three thousand dollars on anything, you know. So it's sad. It's sad. It's sad. He's like, "Listen, man, I need some money. Can you guys cash me out?" We forgot how much we paid, but. Yeah, we cashed them out, and then eventually, about four years ago, we sold it, and we sold it for a price where we, this guy was very hesitant. He's like, "Yo, come on, do this right." I'm like, "Listen, we want this price, and that's that, or it's gonna just sit there until it crumbles to death." So finally, he's like, "Listen, I got the money." I'm like, "All right, cool." I mean, I'll be honest; it's part we could sell it for even more nowadays. <laughs> so that's another regrettable sell we we, we have. But it looks like you made you made back some of that money from when you guys lost on the the pigeon dunks and the Paris dunks or whatever. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of give and take here. I mean, yeah. But yeah, man, to to see like a pair of like penny nine PEs, and mm-hmm. it's just like, especially like when you're thinking, oh, we're just opening a consignment shop. We just want to sell, you know, our friend's shoes. And some dude walks in and he has like no idea where it came from. Yeah. That's a that's the best part. It's not like if it's a guy who like knew what he what he had. And he came to you to try to, you know, make a quick buck. That's great. But if it's a guy who just loves basketball, loves Penny Hardaway, he's like, hey, I have these tennis shoes. <laughs> Can I sell them? They were, they were signed. They're, they were signed too. Good God. That's that's insane. Yeah. And like, again, like with the market of uh, PEs have just been gone up, going up like crazy, you know, like original Jordans. That's probably a potential like a $50,000 shoe. I mean, if, especially if it was signed, right? I mean, it could yeah. sell for ridiculous amounts of money. Dead stock too. Dead stock oh with God. the uh, papers. What size was it though? His size, I think. 14? 14. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. So brand new size 14 penny PEs, man. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's no price on it. And, and it was signed with the papers and everything. Yeah. So Signed on both shoe, I believe. <laughs> yeah. It will sign. Yeah. So you bring up an interesting point. Like at back then, no one was spending a few thousand dollars on shoes, right? Nobody was. Because I think if you spent $300 on a pair of sneakers, that was considered like a lot. 
And now a thousand bucks on a pair of sneakers is like a drop in the bucket. So Perry, what what do you think happened in sneakers that allowed people just to get super loose with their wallets and just start throwing money left and right on shoes? I believe social media played a big part. Um, it was the like uh, the kids. It was a cool factor, you know. Back then, everyone wanted video games, uh, other collectibles, but now like you know, kids want to flaunt with their friends. They wanna they wanna look fresh. The older guys is nostalgia. Like, you know, you used to see this shoe or used to have it when you were a kid and you want it now. It's just, as we go older, you know, the the market, everyone everyone has different, um, they want different things. And kids now, they all they want is sneakers. To add to that, like we're in a, we're part of a culture. It's pretty much a flex culture, right? Back then, you can you 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 can buy a three four thousand dollars shoe. Who are you gonna show it off to? There's no social media. You know, you can essentially post it on the forums. You know, the pickup thread or what did you wear thread. Um, nowadays, you, you you buy something that's really expensive. You post it on social media, acknowledges the likes, all the comments. You you feed off of that, and then you move on. Essentially, you're you're trying to find the next three four thousand dollars shoe, and then it's just a never ending, you know, cycle. You know, that's what's the main difference from back then spending a couple grand versus today spending a couple grand because you can pretty much find anything you want as long as you got the the money. You know, especially with sneakers on social media, like if you are consistent enough and just keep buying them or even just buy one, post a photo, sell that, buy the next shoe, you can become a like an Internet celebrity, right? Just by posting shoes on Instagram. Isn't that I mean, there's a lot of people out there like that. There's a lot of uh, OG sneaker purists who kind of roll their eyes at it and they absolutely hate that part of it. But, you know, it's it's crazy how like sneakers just became like this you know, it's, it became like the thermometer of culture. Like if you, doesn't matter how much money you have or how many cool Rolexes you have or how many cool cars you have, if you're walking around a pair of Allbirds, then you're trash, right? I mean, that's basically how it is, you know? <laughs> like you got to wear some pair of Jordans and it can't just be the, the newly dropped Jordans too. It has to be the one with that specific story and all that kind of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think uh, one reason why I really love shopping with you guys, I mean, I haven't been there in a while because of, you know, COVID and the pandemic, whatever, but, you know, I've been shopping with you guys for a, quite a while. The reason why I like shopping with you guys is because, you know, I know you guys were in it for like the love of shoes. You guys were as much of a sneaker geek as I am or as Jordan is, you know? So um, what are some of the, some of the your favorite sneaker pickups in recent memory? I mean, I know you guys are probably desensitized to it because you see like hundreds of thousands of pairs of shoes pass through your doors every year. Like what are some shoes that really like reminded you of like the love of this game? You know, Shu, we'll start with you. What's a sneaker pickup that you were really fond of? I mean, listen, I love Air Maxes and I'm wearing one of my favorite Air Maxes right now, the uh, Atmos, the Duck Camo with the infrared. Dude, you know how many pairs of guy and when it first dropped... I was like, yo, I got to get this shoe. I, I mind you, I don't like paying resale for anything. I had to pay resale for it. I paid 300 bucks. I'm like, y'all have to do it, you know? So you just like take the money out of your left pocket and put it in your right pocket? Is that what you did? <laughs> yeah, that's, a, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. But I just love when a clean, nice design comes out that's not an original colorway. It just brings the passion back. Like, oh, wow, this brought the memory back. You know, like, it's clean, you know? So that's definitely... My my view of purchasing sneakers. Greg, what about you? Yeah, I feel like one of the best things Jordan did, which was, you know, to, to retro Nike Air, because one of my favorite sneakers are the Black Cement 3s and, and um, Black 
uh, Bread Fours from 99. I used to rock those and 01 Black Cement 3s all day long until they started crumbling on me. And I was sad, you know, just like every other true sneakerhead or whatever you call them. So when they actually retro them and the quality was up to par, I was like, wow, like this actually felt like when I was holding the 2018 Black Cement 3s with the Nike Air, it felt like I was holding the 01s. It was pretty damn close. Um, I felt like at that moment, I'm like, wow, this really brings me back to like high school days where I used to go to Flight Club or go to whatever to try to hunt those down, you know? Perry, what about you? Yeah, I would say um, Jordan 3s was one of my first sneakers when I was in junior high school. And so when those came back, any classic Jordans always brings me back, like classic colorways. But now um, Nike SBs was when I was like starting collecting a lot more back in high school when I met these guys. So seeing that Nike SBs come back, uh, I'm not really fond of the some of the new newer colors, but like any of the older colors always, you know, always catches my eye. I still have a pair, like, you know, a few desktop pairs at home, a, a desktop pair of Jedi's at home that I just like, I'm never going to sell, just like have desktop and like Jordan 3s is like all time favorite, you know. I mean, there's definitely a period of time where the Blacksmith 3 with Nike Air, the 2001 drop, that was the ultimate flex yeah. shoe. That yeah. was the yeah. hottest shoe, period. Yeah. And Agreed. I, maybe it's just me remembering strong, but I remember it was kind of like a trend. Maybe it was more of like an ISS forums thing than a Nike talk thing. But people used to wear their Blacksmith 3s with like vault colored laces. Am I just remembering that wrong? Uh, like I just saw people doing no, that. People did that, I'm sure. Lace swaps. Yeah. They did, they did a lot of lace swaps. I think it because the 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 uh, opium air one eighties had it was like a black and red shoe and it had the yeah, gold yeah. laces. So I think that's probably what it is. So um, that brings me to my next question. Since you guys still obviously have this passion for shoes and obviously you need to kind of inject that into your business because you know you need to also earn some dollars. You know what are some shoes that were really profitable for you guys in a reselling standpoint in terms of you know obviously generating revenue and what are some shoes that were like huge misses that you thought was going to hit really well but then they end up to be total flops and you were just happy to make your money back. Any Yeezys right now is very profitable for us because it sells out instantly. So whenever we put it on the floor, oh, that's the newest Yeezy, I want it. I'm like, okay, sure, no problem. Uh, any good colorway or good collaboration Jordans, anytime we get them in, gone. For example, like the J Balvin's, we put them out there. Oh, you have them? Oh, I want it, gone. I was like, wow. Any Travis Scott collaboration? Any Jordan ones, basically, the the you know the market's been any Jordan ones have, have really high demand. I feel like one of the shoes that didn't do so well that was technically like a trend was NMDs because at NMDs and Ultra Boost at one point was resellable. Nowadays, I think they're sitting at Full Locker everywhere, and I pretty much I think it's Adidas' fault for pumping out too many colors too many too fast. Same thing with the Pharrell NMDs. We were paying top dollar for some pair certain pairs, and they didn't sell, and they ended up just you know tanking. I guess. Because they just came out with too many colorways. Speaking of it, we have a section in our store specific for stuff like that. It's called Hot Today and Not Tomorrow. So, for example, we had a section just full of ASICs. Next thing you know, full of NMDs. And guess what? NMDs are gone. We got Yeezys now. What am I trying to say? I don't know. But that section is what's his name. Maybe for. Uh, Travis Scott can put on some ASICs or some old Ronnies and then they'll bring that whole culture back again, that runners. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure people in Europe are still messing with ASICs and stuff and New Balances. They're always heavy in runners, so that's never going to die out there. There's still some good ASICs coming out. There's a few shoes that I'm sure you guys see every once in a while, but for a while there, ASICs would put out anything and it would sell pretty well. Uh, so look at John here flexing. So <laughs> uh, let me ask you guys this. You know, Greg, let's let's go with you on this one. So 
you guys have a consignment shop, not an easy business, but you guys love sneakers. So it's obviously a little easier to weather the storm, so to speak. Uh, can you talk about some of the biggest lessons and things you've learned over the years having a consignment shop? Don't feel too attached to a certain trend. I feel like that's one of the one one big thing. You got to see it as a hot now, like like you mentioned, hot now, not hot tomorrow type of thing. You have to recognize certain trends like that, like snapbacks. At one point, we had tons of snapbacks. We invested a plenty of money in Metro Net snapbacks, and that's gone. People want fitteds now with custom patches here and there, gray brims only. I've always been a fitted guy my whole life. Um, I feel like that's one of the trends, you know. Um, any other type of uh, regrets, uh, you know, just keep your eyes peeled and, you know, always try to look for the next trend, whether it's a trend or not, you know, what's here to stay. How about any advice? You know, people listening to this are kind of trying to figure out how to make it in sneakers, how to make money. Uh, you guys have done well. There's a lot of people that can make money, not necessarily just starting a consignment shop, but by consigning their sneakers. So any advice for anybody kind of trying to make money and hustle their way through the sneaker world? My thing is take risks. I mean, I'm the least risk taker amongst the other two, but they open my eyes and something got to take risks. I'm like, listen, I got I to take some risks. But you never know because this next thing could be the best thing for you. You know, so don't be afraid to take risks. That's my my um, advice. Perry, how about you? Any advice for those listening? Build your customer base. You know, um, people come back to us, you know, we... You'll see our faces here every time you come to the shop. If it's not one of us, it's one of our staffs. Um, we're always friendly and we're always uh, looking to help. You know, if someone's looking for a shoe, we'll keep it in mind. Um, if you were starting out small, you know, you you just got to build from there. You know, it's all about relationships. Like people come back to us. They've been coming to us for like close to like nine, ten years now. And they know like we have... Uh, a wide selection of shoes and oh we're always willing to help and we'll always wor work out like if they have a tray or they need help selling a shoe you know they come back for a reason don't be afraid to like you know all the info is out there to to to, to resell sneakers or cop sneakers at retail like all the info is out there raffle whether it's a raffle whether it's you know um 10 a.m sneakers app like it's all out there you know it's not like back in the day where i have to look up the yellow book and find the nearest skate shop see what they they're dropping sbs because there was no release dates for sbs back then it was whether the ups truck decided to you know show up or not yeah it's, it's just it's tough but you know don't give up try anything i wouldn't i would suggest everyone to try um try once now. like greg says much easier now do not be lazy get up whatever the hell you're doing and go chase it if you're hungry for, for the money go ahead i don't want to sound old but we when we first started it was so tough man i mean tracking down shoes inventory hardest thing ever but now it's out there you just got to go find it you can even like for a, a, a good example is uh pine green ones they were sitting on StockX for 200 bucks sizes like eight to like all the good sizes you know eight eight, eight and up now, if you look on StockX, they're almost 300 bucks. Like, if I was young and I had some money, I would just buy those, hold for a couple months, and sell it right back on StockX on the same platform you purchased from. You know, because Jordan 1s, I feel like the hype is always going to be there for the next couple of years, even though they're pumping out more and more colorways and just adding the bread effect, the royal effect, the bread toe, shatter, shatter backboard effect. Um, go with your guts. You know, if you see pine green ones to me are, it's really nice. You know, it's a great shoe. It's the same silhouette as a, uh, bread ones, you know, like that is easily, you know, profitable in my opinion, you know, just to, to the viewers out there. I mean, you can even approach sneakers as like a stock portfolio, right? And I think 
Um, that's why a lot of sneaker investors are kind of getting into sneakers because they just yeah. want like the financial aspect, the challenge of it to see if they're right or wrong. And I think I just have a rule of thumb. Like if you see a pair of Jordan 1 high OGs, not mids, not lows, but the high OG, if it's under 300 bucks, it's probably a good investment because 300 bucks, it seems to be like the baseline now for like any pair of uh, any pair of one. So uh, do you guys also do like the bulk investment too as like a shop or are you guys purely just for like the consigners or do you guys, is there like a dedicated, like a, I don't know, investment opportunity team within image? Like, do you guys buy in bulk and then hold and then sell later? I mean, absolutely, man. I mean, going back to the regret thing, we have so many, we used to just buy the shoes and put it out there. And then two months later, prices go, I'm like, whoa, we could have made extra money. So what we're doing now, Hey, listen, every time we buy a certain SKU, we'll hold it, risk it a little bit. If it goes up, perfect. If it doesn't, I mean, we take a little loss to, to get our money back. For example, um, we bought like a whole bunch of the Jordan 1 Game Royal with the white. We paid like 200 bucks each from, from a, a seller. And it was only going for 200 I said, listen, let's put them away. Let's cross our finger. Prices go up. And, you know, it was a good gamble. The prices went up on them. How about when the consigner comes in and then he just wants to get rid of them? He's like, hey, I have these uh, bread ones. I just want an instant payout. 400 bucks. Do you guys have any sort of rules that you need to follow in terms of like, does it need to be on the floor immediately? Or if you, if you could see that, hey, like if we just sit on these for like three months, we could potentially double our profits. Let's just pay them out now and just hold on to it. Have you guys ever approached that? Or is it just whenever someone brings someone, something in, you, you sell it immediately? Or what's the uh, protocol for that? If it's consignment and it's at the market value, we, we sell them. But mm-hmm. if it's a um, buyout shoe, and we feel like, hey, listen, we can hold it for a couple more months. Then we do it because we don't want to, you know, mess up the relationship with the customer. Hey, listen, what are you doing? Why are you just, how come my shoe is not out there? You just bought it out. What's the deal? So we want to make them feel comfortable. And we want to have good prices out there, too. So let's say the consignment period is at a fair price. We want that person who enjoys shoes to, to get an opportunity to purchase at a fair price and enjoy it, you know? It's got to be super interesting for you guys that every deal is different, right? You have different customers, you have different protocols, but ultimately whatever walks in the door, if the guy wants the cash, he doesn't really care. You take that deal, you might hold the shoe. If he wants to see it out on the floor, then he sees it on the floor. Super interesting to know that you guys have to handle hundreds and hundreds of relationships on a daily and weekly basis. I mean, that's a lot of decisions and a lot of mental energy. Greg, can you talk about, you know, kind of that process? I feel like um, there's certain times if a pair of, let's say, Jordan 5 Fire Red 2020s with the Nike Air on the back, they're only going for like 2 220 nowadays. And retail, I believe, was what, 190 or 200? I forgot. But like if they come in and they're like, oh, you know, I, I don't wear these anymore. Like I, I don't see myself wearing them. I'm like, hey, you got the receipt right here. Just go back and return it. Get store credit. Get something. Instead of doing that, I feel like they're sort of lazy i guess they'll be like nah i'll just take the buyout for 140 i'll just take it and then you know stuff like that kind of you know gets me upset like yo this this is not built for you man go get your money back if it was any one of us we'd be like yo i'm walking back my ass back to the mall i'm returning this for full money back but instead they don't want to do that they'll take the 60 dollar l and then i can just put the shoe out there for retail and make the 60 bucks you know you know we give them the best options you know we don't want them to feel like they're getting ripped off or anything yeah. if we feel like they could get more money somewhere else like or like get their money back like you know we encourage that that's a, a great way to segue you guys have been you know really fun to watch the rise you know john's known you guys for a lot of years i've seen you guys Perry met you and came to the shop and it's been really, really awesome. And obviously getting to talk to you guys now, you're really great dudes in the industry. You know, this is something that 
there's a lot of sharks in this industry and uh, you guys have done a great job through your relationships and your authenticity. And, and just like you said, differentiating yourself, it's super interesting to see. And, uh, I got to, I just got to say, thank you guys, you know, thank you for we putting out a, a good vibe thank you for having into the, uh, into the world. And so any last thoughts here, uh, let's start with you, Shu, any parting words for those listening, whether it's about image or, or, you know, checking you guys out or anything else or advice or anything like that. Well, this is sneaker salary. So I want to tell everyone whether you're 10 years old, 40, 50, 60 years old, this industry is huge. There's room for everybody. You know, if you want to make money or if you want to be in it, just be genuine with it. You just got to work hard. That's my thing. You know, I, I'm here five days a week and I put in every blessed sweat and tear into this business to help every customer, to help every worker here. So my main thing is, listen, get up. There's 24 hours in a day. If you have to work 18 hours to make some money, do it. The most important thing is be passionate. You know, we did this because we love this. And every time we wake up, well, we want to go to work. So whether it's sneakers or other job you're at, just work your ass hard and be happy with it. That's it. Yeah, like um, I would say to, you know, always try it once. You know, you can fail, you know, buy a pair, invest in something you believe that will go up. If it doesn't work out, move on. Just keep it going. You know, like I feel like the opportunity is there. The money is there. Like I mentioned, the pine green ones, that's a great opportunity. If you see a pair of Jordan ones that's under 300 bucks, decent colorway, can go with any fit, go for it. Buy five, six pairs and then just put them away in the closet. Come back in a couple months and I guarantee you there'll be some money to be made. Just just go for it. You know, just try. Doesn't hurt. Although we were successful, you know, we've taken a lot of L's. So, like, you know, my advice to anyone, like, you know, just because you take a loss here and there, don't don't give up on that. Reinvest. In the early days, we, you know, we ate shit. You know, we reinvested all our money. We barely, We didn't take any pay. We kept putting it back into the company. Now, you know, we grew it to what it was. And we're we're looking to expand now. You know, we have grew this store. We're still looking to. We're trying to grow a bigger location. Try and do bigger things. You know, you got you got to start somewhere. I don't think we paid each uh, ourselves for two years. We only had a twenty dollar weekly pay just to buy a metro card so we can take the bus to work. We did that for like two years before we actually started paying ourselves. So you know, you got to start somewhere, guys. Yep. Cool, man. I really appreciate that. I appreciate you guys being very open and honest. Um, you guys obviously have like decades of market experience and knowledge and not even that, but as a consumer, you guys, there's videos of you, Greg, camping out for shoes. So, <laughs> you know, shout let's just put it, yeah, shout out to Ari, you know? Um, so yeah, I really appreciate you guys, you know, dropping some gems, especially, you know, of course, work hard. If you take an L, it's okay. You don't have to turn around and run with your tail between your legs. It's learn from it. You keep on pushing forward and you really got to love it. Cause I know you three, three, you guys, you guys really love sneakers you know, to the death, you know. So again, thank you guys for, for joining us. Uh, Perry, I'll see you at the club very soon. Probably fallish, <laughs> fall, winter, something like that. If they open I think back one up. drink and I'll be done because you might, yeah. my tolerance is me gone too, now. Me too, Yeah. But uh, yeah, thank again, you thank guys. you guys. Thank, thank you, Jordan. You thank you, John. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Cool. Appreciate you guys. So that's it for this week's episode of Sneaker Salaries. But let's keep the conversation going online on our social media channels. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sneaker Salaries and hit us with a DM or a tweet. You can follow me personally on Instagram at John B-E-E-J Kim. And you can follow me on Instagram at Jordan Hagedorn. 
We'd love to hear your feedback. And if there's a topic you want us to tackle or a guest you want us to have on, you can reach out to us at sneakersalariespod at gmail.com. If you like the episode, feel free to share it with your friends and help spread the word. And please show us some love by leaving a five-star rating and positive review so we can grow this podcast. Sneaker Salaries is a sneakernews.com and 137 p.m. partnership and a Gallery Media Group original production.